The day that they told me that uh, they wanted me to share tonight, um, you know, I, uh, it was a good, hard decision, but I'm glad. And um, I started asking God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to speak? Because, you know, it's, it's a different language. I have to find something that I am able to communicate and coming from you. And... Um, uh, before, for, for those who don't know me, my name is Maggie Francisco. Uh, my husband and I pastor the Latino uh, service and other, too, some of you. Um, Pascual is my husband. He is, was a handsome man talking here a minute ago. <laughs> yes. Um, well, yes, and... Um, as I was asking God what he wanted me to talk about, um, he brought to my mind something that um, is very simple but profound at the same time for me. And I wanted to share this. Um, this was something that, that uh, I learned. As a, this, and this is Psalm 19. I'm going to talk to you in Psalm 19. If you want to go there, let's do that. This was a psalm that I learned as a child. Um, I used to sing it with my grandma and my cousins, little cousins. I think I was about eight years old when uh, my grandmother started teaching me this song. And the, the way that she used to teach us the Bible was singing because she was a singer. She will sing everything. The Bible, uh, you know, she will not be ashamed of singing anywhere. In, in, uh, uh, his younger, her younger... Uh, son that is more or less probably a little bit older than me he will hide somewhere when she was singing because she was not shy about it she will sing her lungs out some days uh we, she will take us to, the, to in the bus to the center of the city and she will stand up and start singing so she captured everybody's attention <laughs> and then she'll start talking to them about jesus and um i didn't I, that didn't stick to me because I will not sing <laughs> like that <laughs> in that way. But her songs sticked. And this one was one, and um, I loved it. As time went by, I, ga I gained some understanding more and more and uh, started looking for more in this psalm. It's Psalm 19. It's one of my very favorite. I have many psalms, favorite psalms. Um, as you all should know, <laughs> And I believe that, you know, uh, the Psalms are, you know, many different expression, expressions of Psalm authors. But one of the mains, or probably the main, is David. And this one was written by David. I love David's life. And the Psalms are a lot, uh, and speak a lot about who David was, and how he saw himself, and how he saw God. And I love that because it's a beautiful expression of that. Um, I would like to go through some history of David. And I know you all know the story of David. I love stories. So let's just go through some quick uh, details on the life of David. Um, you know, we see in the Bible where in, in 1 Samuel how David was you know, a pastor for the 
flock of his father, a sheep. I didn't want to say that word because sometimes it doesn't come out really well. <laughs> but there you go, there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was a, a pastor, a young pastor. And the Bible says, and he says himself that he will sing, he will meditate while he was taking care of the sheep. And he enjoyed having a relationship through that time with God. So uh, that tells me that David was knowledgeable of the law, knowledgeable, knowledgeable of the word of God since he was very little. And we know that from, you know, the customs of Jewish people. They will learn the law since they are young because that's the commandment and they will obey it. They follow uh, really close to those who are, you know, really um, given to the word. And some of them, you know, to the religion, but, you know, it is written. And the, and the word of God will never come empty. So it doesn't matter. You teach it. And that's what the Jewish do. So David was one of those that even at his young life, he was a man that knew the word. And he will worship and meditate in the word of God while he was taking care of the sheep. Right there, I can imagine many days. And you know, I identify a lot with David because I was a, a farmer girl. I grew up uh, working with my father in the fields. Some days I would come with him, and he was uh, plowing the, the, the land, and I was following him, behind him. And where there were solitary days, long days, behind him, following him as he was going with a, a pair of animals going through the land. And I can imagine David just taking care of the sheep while he was at the fields and meditating on the goodness of God and the beauty that he was able to see while he was out there. And I loved his life. I love how he started it. Then, um, as still as a young man, he went to the battlefield where this giant Goliath was intimidating the people of God. And when he saw this, he was not okay with it. And, you know, he stood right in front of it. And you know why I believe that he stood there? Because he knew God. Because he knew who he was because he was able to see himself more than a young man and a small, maybe skinny guy. He was able to see the power of God working through us. And this story also uh, was my mom who taught me this story. It was, uh, I remember my mom reading, because there was no TV, I, in fact, I, in my house, there was a TV probably when I was 15 or 16. So there was no TV. My mom, will, when we were little, would read to us the Word of God. And, and one of the stories that we loved, and I, I loved to deep, deep in my heart, was uh, when David was in front of the, of, the, of the giant of Goliath. And when my mom was reading is, and was getting closer to... Um, First Samuel 17 in the, in the verse 45, let me read it to you. And I was expectant. I was ready because I knew it in my mind. 
what she was going to say, and I felt the passion and the power that David felt. I don't know the same, but I felt it. And then it says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth might know that there is a God in Israel. I love that passion. And I I don't see David talking like this if he would not know the word of God, who he was, and who God was. That man, little man, young man, knew the word of God. And I love that about David. You know, I can see in this a seal for God. He will not okay, he was not okay with that Philstein speaking to the people of God in that way. And he stood, and he stood up. You know, even the king, King Saul, didn't believe that he was able to do this thing. Maybe nobody would, but he knew, and he could, and he did it. And it was God through him. We know that, but you need to be really brave to be able to do this. And that was David because he had where to be brave from. And I also love how he referred to God. He was passionate about God. He was not a loose, you know, man about when, when he spoke about God. He was strong and passionate about God. I also loved his beautiful friendship with Jonathan. That was one of a kind. There is a lot of uh, people thinking differently about this, uh, you know, he even said that the, the love that he felt for Jonathan was better than the love of women. And you know what? It's hard to find nowadays those kind of friendships, but it's still true. And I love how when we are able to find those kind of friends and we see this example, it's beautiful still. We are able to find those kind of friendships still. Don't you believe that? Yes. And we have, we have to pursue those kind of friendships. These are uh, friendships that glorify God because those are powerful. These friendships saved David's life. If you know the story, if you know, go to uh, First Samuel and you will find out how exciting it is to have a loyal friend whom you can trust and you work and you live life with. Uh, I also love the way that he honored the anointed of God. This was referring to Saul. Saul was anointed, you know, from God to be a king. And David had the opportunity to, call, to kill Saul. But he said, I will not touch the anointed of God because he, he, because he had principles. And the other thing is the, the way he worshipped God. He was crazy about God. He was not shy about it. Uh, when, he, when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought to the temple of Israel, he was dancing like crazy. And, and you know, it says that his clothes were falling. 
how many times we do that? When we dare to do that, even when your ma our makeup is falling off, we say, oh. <laughs> we, we are not, David was not like that. David hum humiliated himself to the ground when he was worship worshiping because he knew who he was worshiping. And he knew that it was what he needed to do. You know, next time that we worship, do not estimate what, thing, what whoever thinks about it. Let's do it. Let's do it with passion. Let's do it with whole heart. It doesn't matter what the clothes or what the makeup or what the hair. It does, anything matters when you are in the presence of, in the presence of this amazing Beautiful, majestic God. Amen. There is a lot of things that I loved about David. And this is history just to tell you of what he wrote, a little bit of what he wrote in Psalm 19. Uh, there is two parts of Psalm 19. The first part says, uh, it says that um, there are some that say that it should be two, two psalms instead of one. Because the first part speaks kind of different from the second part, but um, I found out that at the end, it's kind of the same, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Why The first part, I, I found out that it's kind of a natural knowledge of God, where, let's read it. The first part, let's read it, 1 to 7, this, it says, the heavens are declaring the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes forth like a bright groom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Is rising it is, ri is rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuits to the end of them, and there is nothing, nothing hid from its heat. It is heat. It speaks about the display of the glory of God through the heavens. You know, I love the beauty in, in this region of the world. This is amazing. You know, in this part of the, of the world, uh, the heavens and the air really scream the glory of God. It really does. You see it in four seasons really well marked, beautifully. We have now summer. I love summer like no words. I love summer. I love the sun coming out every morning. And that is such a display that it screams from God to us. It is a gift to us. God gave it to us. It is ours to have dominion over. This beauty is ours. I asked my son as I was studying, I asked, um, Eliu, what is there out there when you go out in nature that tells you about God and leaves you in awe of who he is. 
And he said, you know what, Mom? It's when the birds sing, the singing of the birds. It's like something else that I don't understand how beautiful it is. And I said, you know, that's, that's a gift for you. And he started thinking. I said, we need to see every single thing out there as God speaking to us. And what is he? We need to wonder about that beauty out there. Because it's the purpose of it is to talk to us, is to speak to us. For me, I don't know if you see the little garden out there. In just a little example, for me, those flowers, the deep in the color, in the diversity, tells me of God's love. I don't know. For you, can be other things. For me, this is the one that when I see flowers, it's like, how in the world this happens? It's just too unexplainable. And you know what it tells me? This is for you, Maggie. It's just for you because I love you so much. My husband, I have asked my husband not to bring flowers to my house because they are very expensive when he buys them. <laughs> but not that I don't like flowers. I love flowers. And I love when they, lost the lo when they last the longer. I don't know what is that out there. What is there out there for you that tells you something? Another thing that tells me it's about the, un it's about the universe. The big, all-white universe. You know, there's planets. There is galax the galaxy out there. The Milky Way is majestic. The sun in itself. And it says there that it's like a, the sun is like a bridegroom waiting. You know, there, there is... Uh, this custom in Israel when uh, the bridegroom is waiting for the bride to come. And, and ju I just can imagine that that bridegroom smiling, radiant, waiting for that girl. And that sun, it's radiant and beautiful just for us. And when I see all that, and I think who I am in that universe, I could be probably less than that, a point. But, but God sent his son for me. And that tells me a lot in this universe. So the next time that you go out, I'm going to just, you know, challenge you. Find that that is calling your name and saying, look at this side, look at this side. I'm talking to you. What you're going through, I know it. But look at here. Look at this side. I'm here showing you this beauty for you to know that if I care for the lilies of the camp, of the fields, I care for you. You see this beauty? You are more important. The word of God says that we are the crown of his creation. The crown. God put everything under you so you can enjoy and you can see more than probably a natural eye or ignore. So it says that there is no words, there is no speech, but it can be totally understand. You don't have to read. You don't have to even have to read. You don't have to speak 
one specific language. It is displayed in the whole universe for all of us to see and understand that there is a creator in the back of all this beauty. That there is something there telling us of the existence. The word of God says in Romans 1.20, it says, Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. As a result, they have no excuse. You know, there is no excuse. When we see all that, we have to ask ourselves, why? What? And every human being has that question. And you know what? We that know have a responsibility to speak out to that question. So the next time there is something so beautiful outside and you have somebody at the side that is wondering what, what, why, why is that? You have the answer. Don't quiet it down. Speak it up and say, that's for you. God made it for us because he loves us. Amen? It's easy to enter in a conversation when that, when that comes up. It's easy. So don't shy uh, away and speak up about that beauty that God is showing you and showing the whole universe with no words, but speaking to us anyways. Amen? So it says day has a message, night has a message. So there is something to learn. There is something to add to our knowledge when we see, when we are able to see that. Amen? And then let's go to the other part where it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. And the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgment of the Lord are righteous altogether. So this is kind of a, David made a description, kind of a time and description, you know, all the facets of the word of God, in di- put in different ways, but covering all, it's perfect. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. It's given to us completely. It's complete. Nothing to add, nothing to take. It's flawless. It's absolutely, absolutely covered in all aspects for our lives. Amen. And it converts the soul. So it doesn't matter what's our, what is our problem. Sometimes we want the word of God to be an encyclopedia, don't we? I like that. For many years, in our early years, years of marriage, I wanted an encyclopedia. Tell me, do this, do this, do this, and everything will be fine. You will get along, and everything will be sweet and no problem. It didn't work. And believe me, I did it. I learned the hard way. (laughs) 
And there are some, you know, uh, verses, maybe a chapter telling us about marriage. But it doesn't say at all in one, in only one chapter. Uh, sometimes I would like also um, just that section for teenagers. I'm going through that st stage now. Everything about teenagers, how do you, what you don't do, that'll be great. But no, it's not a specific. It says some things that I don't even sometimes want to process. Cause, uh. But you know what? It has to be all together. Because God doesn't want just my marriage. God doesn't want just my teenager. God doesn't want me only having faith. God wants me. He wants my heart. Completely. Completely. He wants my heart. He doesn't want me to deal only with this relationship well and with this. He wants me to deal with the whole picture. Marriage in itself is not my end. He wants me to have a good marriage. But it's not the end of everything. He wants me to be able to help my husband and my husband help me to be more like him. And he wants my heart for me to be able to deal with my teenager correctly. And, tell, and believe me, that is hard. But as I understand better and better, my life gets better and better. And that's it. That is a recipe that converts the soul. This is it. When we deal with depression, when we deal with bad relationships, when we, even when we deal with uh, doubt, when we deal with any, any issue in our life, we deep, deep search here and look for help based in this manual. It says that the, the testimony of the Lord makes wise the simple. Um, I don't know, many of you, uh, I, can, I, I can tell you by, for myself, I, I grew up in, I already told you, I was a farm girl. Uh, I didn't go to school. I went to up to, in Mexico, I went up to middle school. And that was it. There was no more school. It's a little town that it was a miracle to have in middle school. So uh, I didn't have many choices. I decided, I asked my father, I said, um, I want to go to school. And he said, Look your ways. Look for your ways because I don't have money for you to send you to school. We don't have anybody living in the city for you to go. And so I decided that I was going to study. But one day, as I was studying really hard, I went to the city. I ended up going to a, um, the house of an aunt that was single. I, I don't think she didn't want to have me, but she accepted and I was there for a few, probably months. And then my sister came, because she wanted, we are six sisters, by the way. <laughs> so just one more came. And then when uh, a couple, you know, 
probably about five months after we started school, I was studying really hard. I am one that will go for A's, and, and I, am, I have to study, like study, to get on those A's. And my sister was not. My sister was, like, she will hear it. And one day we were uh, making a test, and she passed through, and she said, you have the A wrong. And it was me who studied all throughout the night. She did not. And I, I was so worried because she didn't study through the night. And when I got to school and I asked, what are you going to do? She told me, just tell me what you learned. And in a very short summary, I told her what I learned. And guess what? She got an A and I got a B. That's how it is. And then <laughs> I was not a great student. And one day I was in, in the living room of our uh, little house with my, my aunt that was single. And I was so sad. And I said, I don't know why. I study and study. But I don't learn as fast. You see? And I was telling her what happened. And she said, Maggie, I want you to understand something. And that was something that I will never forget from my aunt. She said, wise is not knowing. Wise is living. And you are a wise girl. And that stuck to me. And since then, I have studied. I kept studying even though I'm not so sharp. But you know what? These have taught me to live and make good choices in my life. Not that I have not done wrong. I have, but these have strengthened me time and time again. It says, the statutes of the Lord are right. Not suggestions. Not nice ideas. Statutes. Uh-huh. And they rejoice the heart. You know why? Because when we do the right choice, when we learn these principles and do the right thing, our hearts rejoices, and we are glad that we did what we did. Amen? Yes. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Isn't that true? It gives, the word of God gives us light in every matter, in every issue of life. And it says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The word of God never gets old, never gets out of style never loses its value and importance. It has been ages through ages, and it is still the same. You know, we are in times where um, sometimes we don't want to say the word because what are they going to say? They're not going to want to listen. Mm. There are places where the word of God is not being anymore because people don't want to hear this, this because they think it's old and it's out of style. We are in a new era. No, when we don't talk about this word anymore, we are in decline. We are going down. We, this is us modern and us in style as have ever been. This never fluctuates. Is the same. It says, endures forever. And the judgments of the Lord are righteous all together. And then, um, it is spoken many times as if the law 
it's something bad. You know, the law, we're talking about the Torah, five books, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and Deuteronomy. This was the law. But now it's referring to the word of God. Many times uh, it is spoken, that is old. That is not relevant anymore. And, um, you know, the law is, is not, it's not bad. The law in itself was a blessing. The law was to protect us and, in general, to take care of ourselves. The wrong thing with that is that we are not able, we were not able to comply with it. We were not able to meet the law because our hearts are not right. And we needed a Savior. We needed a Redeemer. And that's why Jesus came. But the law in itself is not bad. The law was a blessing. The law is still. There are many things that, uh, that are set there that are to protect us, to protect our health, to protect our relationships, to protect our whole human being. Now, I don't want you to say, Maggie said that we have to follow the law. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the heart of God in this. But nowadays, when Jesus came, after Jesus came, the standards are higher. Yeah. Yes, are higher because now it's about the heart. It's about the heart. You know, before, when a teenager disobeyed badly, you know what happened? Some of you have heard? Yes, it was bad for them. Now, it's, it's different. Do you know what? Because the standard is higher. I have to deal with teenagers. I cannot kill them. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have to instill the word of God. I have to instill the love of God. I have to instill that she is precious, that he is precious, that he is valued, and that there is something that can change their hearts, and that is the word of God in Jesus. You know what? The word of God says, and, and this is what Jesus came to do. It says in James 13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And the mercy triumphs over judgment. Grace, sweet grace over us, over our teenagers, over, over my husband who so much needs it. <laughs> over me. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> No, it's all over us. This law, it's okay, but Jesus came so we can live in mercy and in grace and higher up our standards, not thinking that somebody fell and we are going to step in and destroy. The word of God is not that kind. And we have to be careful every time we use the word of God to step on somebody. We have to be careful because the word of God never intended to be that. The word of God is to lift us up. The word of God is to give life. So our standards are higher and we live in a grace and merciful era. But still, the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and will be because he honors his word. 
the Bible says, and I don't remember, I should look for that text, but it says that he holds his word higher than his fame. That is true. He is faithful to his word. Amen. Let me start finishing. Something that I loved in this is what David said in, in that same Psalm, 1910. He said about, the, about all the natural and the written knowledge, the two knowledges, because we have the natural that we can see without words, but we have the word that is here. And these two, the natural and the written knowledge, loved it. David loved it. David loved it and held it really, really dear in, her, in his heart. And this expression I love of him says, they are more desirable than gold. Yes than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. You know, this is amazing. I love David delighted in his word. He was, you know what? Um, I don't know if you have experienced it. When you are listening to the word and you're learning and you are, the revelation of God is coming through you and you start feeling this excitement inside of you. I think David continually, continually felt this excitement about knowing God, about knowing his word, about being able to hold on to that truth. Well, we are in this body, we are in this world. Holding to this truth, holding to this word, it's a delight. We have to enjoy it every step of the way. Because this is a gift to us where we can still stand. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what comes to us. We're able to keep standing because we stand in his word. Amen. Um, I went to uh, Psalm 19, uh, 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 Psalm 119, because it's a re reference of this psalm. Psalm 19, it's the longest uh, chapter of the Bible. I'm not going to read it, I promise. But I'm going to tell you many of the things that David said, because David will, uh, you know, went to the psalm and explained in a lot more detail how he saw the word of God. And this is what I found he did. You know, he referred to the word of God as he preached it. He delighted in it. He, the word of God kept his heart. He kept it in his heart. He made it his counselor, obeyed it, he prayed it, he trusted it, he, wa he waited on it, he loved it, he sang it, valued it, knew it. It was his source of mercy. He longed for the word. He declared it eternal. He esteemed it faithful. He made it part of his inheritance. Was his sustaining power. Sustaining power. He feared it. He testified of it. He had it as the fountain of his understanding. He praised God for it. It was his peace. It was his help. And he meditated, meditated in it day and night. And it was his fountain of wisdom and knowledge. Psalm 1, 2, and 3 says, But his delight is the word of the Lord. And in his law, 
meditates day and night. I think I missed the, the, the first part. It says, blessed is the man who delights. There is, I'm, I'm shortening it, but you can go and read it at home. It says, blessed is the man whose, whose his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf do not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. So, this is for us. This is for us to learn to meditate in this word, to live it. And everything we will do will prosper. And I want to I wanna leave it here. I just have a challenge. It doesn't matter what the age is here. David was a young man who was instructed in the Lord, in the word of God. But we are, you know, some of, most, some of us are parents, some of us are grandparents. But you know what? We all, we all have these commandments. If you are a grandma, a grandpa, do not underestimate the power of you sharing the word of God with your kids. You know what? Something that my grandma will do is he, she will feed us. She will call the crowd and make beans and make soup. And she will bring us. And she was not nice about it. Yeah, she was not. She will straighten. Stand, stay still. We're going to repeat this. And she will teach us. And she will check every week how many verses. She will give us a verse for the week. And at the end of the week, she will check who learned it. And then she will ask us, how many chapters did you read? I remember reading the smallest psalms, so I can report a little more. <laughs> yes. Those days, it didn't seem like they were doing anything to me. I now know what they did to me. Do not underestimate that. Take your, take your grandchildren for an, an ice cream and talk to them about this book. You know, cook for them at night a soup. It doesn't matter. Children doesn't, they're not very picky on things that they like. So just find something that they like and take the time to speak a little bit about this word. And if you are a parent like me, uh, a couple of days ago I was in reading, I live in my car most of the time. <laughs> and Eliu and Abby were talking, and they were talking some words that I don't like, that are not nice. And I said, well, you know, the word of God says that from every word that we speak, we will give account. Again, the word of God, said one of them. Again, the word of God. And then uh, this morning as I was coming to church, Eliu was at my side, my son. And he said, Mom, we were quiet. And then he said, Mom, is it true that if you don't work, you don't eat? <laughs> I said, who said, who said that to you? My dad said that that's the word of God. <laughs> and I said, that is... He has been hard, having a hard time to work, so, you know, but what got me was that he was thinking about it. 
And that is what we want. Sometimes it's not nice. You have to say it because it's the word of God and that's what it says. And you know what? It sticks. Do not. It, that says that those are spirits in our life. So let's do that. You know, the challenge, and with this I'm going to finish, it says, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so, I may go, so it may go well with you and that you increase greatly, that you may increase greatly, greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them in your children. Talk to them when you sit at home. And you walk along the road when you lie, lay down. And when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them in your heart. This is for us. This is for us. This is a, the challenge. And I invite you, don't ever, ever quiet it down. Don't shy it away. This is what the David, it says that. He made it his inheritance. Let's do this as an inheritance to our children and the children of our children and the children after that. Let's keep this word, this knowledge in our hearts because this is the only thing that will preserve our children from the world. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. Let's pray. Let's just ask God to give us the wisdom to be able to pass this knowledge to the next and next and next generation and the one that is in front of us. Just, Lord God, we ask you tonight. We are your people. We want to do the right thing, Lord. We are, I know, we know that we are not perfect. And we know what has sustained us to this point. So, Lord, we ask that you will give us the wisdom to walk in this world, to see it, to see and learn every step of the way. This knowledge that we may become more like you and that children that see us will be inspired to follow you. Lord God, I ask that you seal this word in our hearts. And as we walk the way, that we will not forget. As we walk in the morning, as we wake up in the morning and we see the day coming, that we will be able to see and ask what you have to teach us today. Lord, help us to dedicate, to dedicate our lives for your word, to learn it and to pass it to the next generation. But overall, that we delight doing this job, Lord, that we delight in your word, that we delight every day to be your children and to be able to have you to live, to be able, Lord, to have you to speak to us in love every single day through nature and through your word, Lord, and through your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen.